Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a UK-based Star Trek podcast featuring me, Will Turland, this man to my right, Rick Palmer. Hello. This man to my further right, Rick Everson. Hello. This lady to my far, far right, hey. Gemma Turland. I don't, I'm not talking about your political beliefs. Hello. That's really far right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not quite far right enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, today we have a special guest, um, Dr. Alice Turland. Hello. Wait a minute, you're not Dr. Alice Turland, are you? You're Dr. Alice... No, I am Dr. Alice Turland. Oh, are you? Um, oh, right, yeah. so you, you kept your second... Right. Okay. Oh, you got the same name yeah. as yeah. Will. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. I don't know how we know I, I, I enjoy we've gone this far before we've actually worked out what our guest name is. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait a minute. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> let's keep, let's okay, keep it right. in. Let's right. keep it in. This is more. Okay. This is probably this is probably going to be the highlight of the whole episode. <laughs> we have so an audience who come to expect the barely passable quality that we put out. So. That's very true. That's very true. So I should explain. Uh, Dr. Alice <laughs> Turland is my sister. Yeah. Um, ah, that explains a lot. Who, unbeknownst to Will, kept her her name when she got married. Yes. Some ladies do that. Hence, hence the confusion <laughs> over what my own sister's name was. <laughs> So the reason the reason that we've got um, Dr. Alice here with us tonight is uh, because Alice is a doctor of psychology, and um, Star Trek features um, ta- tackles issues of mental health. Um, we know that in certainly in Next Generation, um, there is a there's a counsellor on the bridge of the Enterprise indeed <laughs> so we thought it'd be great to get Alice to join the podcast uh, to discuss mental health in Star Trek uh, maybe critique some of some of Deanna Troy's um, counselling techniques so can, yes. I, can I first ask if there's a there's a definition if there's a, a different definition with counsellor mm. and psychologist there is, yeah. So I don't know if it's different far, far in the future. Who knows? Maybe things have changed. Um, but yeah, at the moment, in present day, um, so a counsellor, a counselling kind of mean quite a few different things. So there's lots of people who can call themselves counsellors, but perhaps have done quite a short course in therapy. Um, so it tends to be the phrase that is um, a little bit less trusted um, so, psych- so for psychology, um, you do you study an undergrad degree in psychology and then do like a research doctorate whereby you're kind of training in different um, therapy methods and you do lots of placements and things as well. Um, so she could have lots of experience and have done lots of training or she could have done maybe a short online course and <laughs> <laughs> kind of nabbed her way onto the ship. But I'd like to think they have slightly more stringent procedures than that. <laughs> I guess psychologist Troy sounds a bit more, a bit. It doesn't 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 roll off the tongue as yeah. as well. Yeah. But it was. I, it always struck me as quite um, quite sort of forward thinking. The idea of having a 
like a councillor on the ship, but not just on the ship, but on the on the bridge, you know, mm. with, right there with the captain. And I I just thought that was a really interesting idea um, that they that that in the future maybe they take mental health seriously <laughs> enough that you would you would have someone right there as a as a bridge officer. Yeah, um, considering that in um, in um, Wolf in the Fold, the original series episode, they take. They take Scotty to get laid because yeah. he because he's because he's so unsuccessful with women. Well, it's <laughs> and successful. Really? There was an engineering accident that was oh, yes. the fault of a female crew member. And now he so Scotty women. hates women. <laughs> so they take essentially take him to a space strip club, to and then he, he goes he goes for a walk yeah. with the stripper who ends up dead. And then the whole episode, they're like, what, how are we going to save Scotty's career? At no point are they concerned <laughs> about the various women getting murdered one at a time. Through and the it's fact fairly... that it's mm. possible that he did actually kill this woman. Oh, to this day, I'm still sort of a little bit, I think he killed her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, no, it's not what you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in that, in that era, in that era, um, the, the psychological advice was usually... The doctor would pull, pull you a drink. Up. He'd pull yeah, you a drink. Yeah, pull your socks up. <laughs> um, have a have a stiff whiskey. And get get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. Um, I mean, the original series was essentially written by people who were veterans of World War Two, and there, yeah. you know, there wasn't a great deal of support or help for issues from that. And there very much was the idea of, I oh, will crack on, yeah. sort of thing. So I think yeah. that's maybe born out of that. Whereas Next Generation is very much of the eighties, and by the eighties. Therapists and uh, were almost almost a massive trend for people. It was like considered you, you had to be in therapy. Um, yeah. If, uh, so I kind of think it was very much born of that time. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure in every single Woody Allen film, Woody Allen is Woody Allen's character is in therapy, mm. isn't he? Yeah. And, but, you Why know, did I marry my stepdaughter? You'd be in therapy, I guess. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, why, did so I, why did I marry my stepdaughter? <laughs> <laughs> jeez, oh, oh, jeez, what did I do? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I get, so I think, um, yeah, try, try, uh, like having a council on the bridge is maybe, yeah, very much a kind of side of the times. It was, yeah, it was kind of fashionable mm-hmm. in the eighties, and that carried forward into that that vision of the future. So, in, I in, think, sorry, it's, it, it's also telling that. Um, while her role was very much born of the eighties trend, but her she never wore she not until the series six she didn't get a uniform, and she always had the very low cut cleavage, um, cleavage enhancing bodysuit thing, and I think that's maybe sort of another trend of TV at that time that uh, yeah, undermined the the importance and professionalism of the role to an extent. So it wasn't until she got the uniform she actually started to get some meaty storylines really. Yeah, yeah, and it is in the other um, in other Star Trek series. We don't really have a counselor as a main character, do we? Ex- except for um, in DS Nine in in season seven when Esri's a, yes. ca- uh, a counselor. Yeah. Um, but we assume that that they are there. Well, May- once referenced in that episode where O'Brien has um, like fifteen years of prison memories implanted in his head. Right. So they they reference an off-screen counselor that's never seen, but uh, yeah. I don't know what happened to that guy when Ezra came to the station. I just assume he was just fired. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm sure there's a line in um, 
in after image where right at the end where Cisco kind of makes a bit of a joke and he's like, oh, Ezra, you're, you're going to be in charge of the mental health of the whole station. You have just agreed to take responsibility for the mental health of everyone in this room. <laughs> you have your work cut out for you. <laughs> but I was thinking, all right, okay. So they didn't, did they not have a counsellor before then? Or is, like, is it all on They might there? be a Bajoran counsellor. Doesn't maybe? someone respond yeah. with, oh, you don't know what you'd let yourself in for? And yeah. then spoken line is, because we haven't seen, we haven't even seen the other guy for three seasons now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose that in itself, the fact there's only one counsellor on the entire ship is quite a worry. Yeah. There's a thousand people on that ship. Mm. That would surely, I would have expected Troy to be the head of a as a large team yeah. <laughs> with different expertise. What happens when she goes on the evening? Yeah. You can't pay all those extras. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there's a line in um, in uh, one of the episodes we're going to talk about tonight, Hollow Pursuits, where Troy said Troy's doing some some therapy with um, with Reg Barkley, and she said and she says, oh, "Have you um, have you ever been with a counselor before?" Yes. No. Which one? Yes, but she. Uh, it, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't really a counsellor. And that to me made me think, oh, okay, well, actually, are there other counsellors mm. on the ship then? Mm. But can you, can you think of a time where, where in, like, in, in canon that's ever been clarified, whether there's a, actually another ship's counsellor? No, I mean, sometimes they struggle to give Troy any sort of meaningful stories. Yeah. <laughs> Put an old team of them there. Um, no, I, I can't think of any time where they specifically say there is a team beyond Troy on that. Yeah. But I guess they in TNG, they generally set set it out as a show where things are pretty good. There, there aren't a lot of episodes where you, where you get to meet a character that's that's had a traumatic experience, not for a while at least. So I guess it'd be it would be hard for an episode to have an episode with Councillor Troy unless you specifically made it about that, I guess. So it's it's hard yeah. for it's hard for you to see it's hard for you to see Councillor Troy in a day to day work, I guess. Mm-hmm. If if you got an episode where they're they, they encounter a strange ship, but they get Troy up on the bridge to go, Is this strange is this strange ship sending out any vibes? And mm-hmm. Troy either goes, No or or I sense nothing. Or um, yeah, yeah. I sense they're hiding something. <laughs> yeah, I sense yeah, they're hiding something. <laughs> and that's just because they look really shifty. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Troy is a um, Troy's an empath. Um, and I guess. What 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 did you guys think of that idea that um, so we've got a counselor. It feels like they kind of said well let but let's give her powers let's mm. give her powers. Let's give her super. But not useful powers mm-hmm. like like telepathy. Let's just make her able to to feel other people's feelings. I, ne- I ne- never thought that that really translated that well on screen. It always led to like Rick said situations where she either can't sense anything or she just senses mm. the bleeding obvious. Well, one thing yeah, I sorry Rick. No, no, that's great. One thing I was thinking is how helpful would that actually be? Because I mean I don't know, but I imagine that if you have a patient it's important for them mm. to kind of reveal things how they're feeling at their own pace and if you have a if you have like a, a power that can kind of be a shortcut to that maybe is that helpful is it I mean Alice would you say that it's important for the person to be able to 
reveal what's bothering them at their own pace in that way yeah definitely I think if anything and it kind of I think it shows that's maybe one of my main faults of the depiction of the kind of the counsellors in it that they, it seems to be very much the captain tells them to go and see somebody they kind of go and talk to the person and then try and come up with a solution immediately or in like the the um the next generation episode where she invites Barclay and turns out the lights and is like listen to my voice and puts her hand on his shoulder which is generally considered quite a terrible way to start any kind of therapy with somebody <laughs> like very intimidating and very kind of could be taken the wrong way in many ways um, but yeah I think kind of trying to if you get to the point of being able to label how someone's feeling too quickly I think it could feel quite quite frightening quite um i don't know in a way that someone wouldn't really be able to engage with um and yeah that you kind of need, just because she can sense how they're feeling she still doesn't know their story or why they're feeling that way which is kind of the important thing for someone to be able to talk about yeah mm. i think it'd be it'd be kind of intimidating mm. to go and see a council knowing that they they sort of knew your emotions or they could tell if you like if you weren't telling the truth exactly that that's mm-hmm. seems to be a thing that sometimes Troy can sense whether someone's lying from, like, from time to time when the plot says it's useful that she can I, I, I always felt if given the choice I would probably rather choose a non-empathic counsellor because yeah. I mean I, 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 I know myself I'm fairly emotionally immature I'm, I'm awful <laughs> emotionally, very few filters and really struggle uh, in in a lot of ways um, so the idea that I'm going to see a counsellor who's in my head to mm-hmm. an extent and is going to have a better time identifying my emotions than I am is really a little bit disconcerting yeah to me, so. yeah totally also it must be quite a dangerous career path for an empath to take to be constantly yeah. um, putting yourself in close proximity to people who have very complex and yeah, because um, damaging emotions, I guess. Yeah, because in that sorry, Gemma, <laughs> in um, in Tin Man, we meet another beta Z, don't we? And mm. and uh, I think Riker has a pretty sore sore attitude to him because he that beta Z was involved in some sort of incident. Yeah, the Garushta disaster, which essentially um, the beta of Tam Elbrun in question was an advising someone and. By his version of the story, the captain didn't listen and most of the uh, crew were lost. Um, I'm so Riker tends to blame this guy. Uh, but his main problem is he has got no barrier. He, it's not just that he feels strong emotion, he feels every thought, everything going, th- going through in the room. So he's sort of constantly being, having this barrage of emotion and thought, which he's got to sort of suffer through, really. Mm-hmm. So. It'd be quite a horrible way to yeah. spend <laughs> every day. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, the thrust of the episode is he gets on this um, new life form team that blocks everything out, and he finally gets silence mm. for the first time in his life, and that's not a relief to him. Mm. So. so should we? Um, I, I I should explain actually that um, Alice isn't. You, you're not a massive Star Trek fan, <laughs> as such, are you, Alice? But you have you've watched I, Discovery, right? I have. You... I feel bad admitting that on a, <laughs> a very committed Star it's, it's Star fine, Trek podcast. Fine. I don't dislike Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I remember watching it as a child and liking it, and then I was saying, I think as I got a bit older, um, maybe kind of 
bowed to social pressure and didn't think it was very cool anymore. But I did, <laughs> I did, as part of the Netflix generation, recently discover Discovery, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah, cool. So I have got slightly back into it. Yeah. So and I've... at your request, have um, watched some episodes yeah, so <laughs> ahead like, of tonight. I basically forced Alice to watch <laughs> some episodes that we sort of chosen that, that were that we could discuss specifically some of the, the sort of attitudes to mental health in them. So the first episode we were going to look at is uh, is Hollow Pursuits. I I have to say from the get go, this is this is this is one of my favourite episodes of Star Trek. I think, and I'm, just, I'm worried this this podcast that could become the Will Loves Hollow Pursuits podcast. <laughs> Because, and I just think, oh, do you know what? We need a separate podcast where we can just talk about how awesome this episode is because <laughs> I love it so much. Um, the, the story. Don't we, do, don't we do episodes that are just that about episodes that we like in this yeah, podcast? Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> and in, in, in a, so in Hollow Pursuits, um, we get a brilliant uh, guest star, um, Dwight Schultz. Is that how you pronounce his surname? Yes. He plays Howling Mad Murdoch in the A-Team. Uh, and he was apparently a big Star Trek fan, and he, he was looking for a role. And they they kind of wrote this episode, and they were like, oh, this this guy would be amazing in this role. And he's really good. He's really mm-hmm. good as Barkley, he's I think. Good. He's great. And <clears throat> so in this episode, we have, like, for the first time in Star Trek, we have a character who who isn't sort of a, a, a high-functioning um, committed member of the of the crew. He's a, a guy who's kind of struggling a bit, mm. and the and it's fair to say the rest of the the, the crew just don't know how to deal with that. Mm. Um, and the the whole story is really about about this character Reg Barkley suffering with um, with hollow addiction. is what they describe it. Although I, d- I don't think in the episode they really treat it like an addiction or or, or help him in any way to <laughs> get over this addiction. <laughs> Um, but he sort of submerges himself in a like a fantasy world that he creates mm. on the holodeck um, because he's struggling with with coping with with real life. Um, in, and a, so, in a slight contrast to your your enthusiasm for the episode, while I do enjoy the episode, I do have some issues with it in that I find most of our regular crew are kind of horrible. Yeah. That's in yeah, yeah, yeah. that's in particular. Yeah. I feel Geordie is maybe the world's sh- shittest manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah terrible a manager he is mm. like he's like because he doesn't like the guy because he can't can't, can't stand the guy can't, <laughs> he, he can't bear to be in the same room yeah, as him yeah. yeah he can't manage him because he doesn't like him that's just yeah like, shoddy management because <coughs> there's a point there's a point where he invites Reg to the team meeting and I was, yeah. and I was thinking surely he should be at all the team meetings if he's in that team <laughs> yeah and well, it's not yeah. Yeah. Team, yeah, but yeah, I I, I agree there. Because in the very the very opening scene, Geordie like, <coughs> Geordie and um, Riker are moaning about him, going on about how he's always late, and then he comes out, he, he shows up to the uh, like the cargo bay, and he's late, and then they go straight to Picard, and they're like, I think we should be fired because he was late once. <laughs> so he has, hasn't he ever heard of flexi time? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, glad on, give Picard is actually the best guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, he's like really advocates for. You know, giving Barkley some helping him out. He's like yeah. saying to LaForge, make him your best friend, get to know the man. Yeah. And it's like And he's also like find something that he's good at, find mm. something that he can do. And that's quite a I suppose a good management or kind yeah. of leadership style actually. Yeah. 
It's easy to transfer a problem to someone else. Too easy. Captain, it's not like I haven't tried. Try harder, Geordie. He's a member of your team. Try to find some way to help him to make a positive contribution. Get to know the man better. Make him your best friend. With all due respects, sir, my best friend. I can barely tolerate being in the same room with a man. Now, I suggest you put your personal discomfort on one side, Commander. The, I think the most helpful thing to him in that episode, because of kind of Troy's quite poor counselling skills, I think, is more that he kind of find, he manages to solve the problem, doesn't he? I can't mm. remember what the specific yeah. scientific yeah. thing is, but he manages to kind of save the day, and that's yeah. only because yeah. he was put in a position where he Absolutely. was able to kind of be involved. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, if left to it, Geordie wouldn't have had him anywhere near the problem. No, he would have just... God only knows what would have happened. But I guess George, Wesley George's, would have had to resolve it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> George's attitude is... is It's not ignored in the episode because Guinan mm. calls him up mm. on it. Yes, mm. yeah. Um, Guinan calls him on his bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Although she, I, still, I still don't think anyone like calls Geordie hard enough on the way he is. <laughs> well, there, yeah, there's a great I mean, bit right, right at the beginning because... Right, um, Geordie's saying, I've, you know, I've tried with this guy. And Picard says, but try harder. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like that line. Because mm. it's like, it's, it's a good point. Yeah. And I, I think in, in defence of Geordie, I think they just, they just don't have much experience on the Enterprise of dealing with someone like Reg Barkley. And, and Picard has a line where he says... I'm just not accustomed to seeing an unsatisfactory rating on a member of my crew. I think well, that's kind of, that's it, isn't it? They're not they're not used to dealing with that sort of management because it's the flagship of the of the fleet, and you kind of think anyone who's who's there really wants to be there and is at the the top of the game. And so, yeah, they all really struggle to know what to do, basically, don't they? Um, so yeah, there isn't um, there isn't a whole lot of therapy in this episode from Troy actually, but. Yeah, what did you reckon to her approach, Alice? Yeah, so we were saying earlier, when she, I suppose she's gone to meet with him at the request of Picard. Um, I suppose I think about the kind of the pressure with her potentially being the kind of the only counsellor on the ship and being in quite a very male-dominated kind of military sort of environment. That mm. There's a lot of pressure to just get to a solution straight away. It's kind of like she invites yeah. him in she introduces herself and then she's straight into trying to get him to do some kind of relaxation technique mm. which generally are good are good things to help manage stress but you need to know why someone's stressed first you can't mm. just kind of go straight to a solution without the only problem she knows is presumably what Picard said that he's turning up late that he's maybe not very confident obviously at this point she doesn't know anything about the the holodeck situation yeah, um, yeah and actually she gets herself into potentially quite a dangerous situation this is someone who's having sexual fantasies about her on the holodeck and then she's in a room with him on her own doesn't really know kind of what's going through his head i suppose from my point of view i was thinking that's yeah it's quite a dangerous situation for her to be in yeah. And like she doesn't know how he would have reacted in that situation. Luckily for the, I suppose the episode and the comedic value, he just finds it uncomfortable and then leaves. But yeah. could have quite easily gone a, in a different direction. I, I guess the opposite. The, the episode does play it very. It's very much a comedy episode, mm. isn't it? Actually, and they they kind of play on Barclay's insecurities and the way that the the. Um, the crew handle that they, they play on the comedy of that particularly around the holodeck fantasy stuff 
Um, but yeah, I think um, I I think kind of I think Guinan and and Picard and maybe the better counsellors in this situation. I really like. There's a great bit where uh, Geordi is talking to Guinan about Barclay, and um, and he's he's just he's just moaning about Barclay, and Guinan says. Um, there's a bit where she's where he says he just doesn't fit in, and Guinan says well, the the idea of fitting in repels me. Mm. And that's that's a great line. Yeah. It's like yeah, why does he have to fit in? What's yeah. what's the problem with not fitting in? And um, I think this is something we've observed before as a, re- a recurring issue with the next gen crew. They don't particularly like outsiders. No, they're very cliquey. Riker, in particular, is quite harsh to anyone outside of his little group. No wonder he never goes and gets his own captaincy until the last film. Yeah. Because he can't deal with new people. (laughs) (laughs) He hates new people. And Guinan says, if I felt that no one wanted, uh, wanted to be around me, then I'd probably be late and nervous too. The idea of fitting in just repels me. Maybe I'm not making myself clear, Guinan. Barkley, he's always late. The man's nervous. Nobody wants to be around this guy. If I felt that nobody wanted to be around me, I'd probably be late and nervous too. Guinan, that's not the point. Are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So like the problem is is Geordie. Also, at, at this point, Geordie's had some problems on the holodeck as well, yeah, hasn't he? That's, yeah, that's that's like, a really I interesting mean, point. Yeah. He mentions that actually, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's ever so creepy recreation of a real woman that he has a bizarre relationship with. Yeah, but I guess it's down to the writing as well, isn't it? I mean, we have to remember this when we think about an episode yeah. it is mm. the the characters are as, only as good I suppose as the lines that they get given yeah I think, I think it's one of those things where the writing staff had a scientific advisor so when they say oh we, we were going to give this bit of techno babble and the scientific advisor would say um, well that's bollocks because <laughs> this word here and this word here, it sounds almost plausible there you go they didn't have anyone on staff who would advise on on a storyline like this mm-hmm. like, it sounds like they might have well read some Freud or I suppose mm-hmm. the stuff in the holodeck is a bit bizarre and it kind of goes into because Troy is essentially this kind of yeah like very sort of a goddess of love or something yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. it <laughs> which yeah. is, is sort of very clumsy yeah. but then I suppose <laughs> the, the other characters are these almost like pompous kind of like battling mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so that bit is quite interesting. That he's, yeah, authority. I do like that. Yeah, that recasts those who intimidate him mm-hmm. in that way. That's quite funny. Yeah. Like the short right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I suppose that's kind of a. Um, I don't know whether that's meant to be like a, a nod towards mental health in like in terms of people do enter into delusions when. I suppose their own life they feel quite small or they feel quite mm. powerless that's what tends to send people off into um well into addiction or to in, into believing things that aren't true mm. or kind of getting lost in other things is when their own life yeah they don't have those things so it could almost be quite therapeutic being able to go into yeah another world where all of those things are different yeah. but that's basically the issue is that nothing gets resolved 
on the ship whilst he's spending yeah. all his time there. It doesn't give him more confidence in the real world, it just kind of it makes him worse. Further and further into his yeah. Yeah, but the like the, the crew don't really seem to care too much about that. They just care that he's late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that he oversleeps. They don't care about him because yeah. they, they talk about his, him suffering with hollow addiction. Which I really like the idea that people could get addicted to the holodeck in the future, but he doesn't—he doesn't receive any therapy or advice around around that aspect of his mm. of his well, issues, does he, it? Yeah. He does. He does. Towards the end, he obviously has because he's got to the point where he t- he's turning it off. And yeah. He's turning it off. On Except the for program advice. number nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sexy program number nine. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it so does kind of hint that he's carried on. He, yeah. It sort of says something about. Um, I, after several meetings with yeah. Councillor Troy, so it kind of hints mm. that they then did some therapy then. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Afterwards, yeah. after she's been in his fantasy and seen herself in that way, which mm. I think most people would have excused themselves what? from <laughs> counselling yeah. him at that point. If she's the only counselor on the ship, yeah. she's that, that. I mean, that's another. You know, she's forced yeah. into counselling this guy and who's, she, and who's she's quite clearly having sexual fantasies about. And, and she has a personal yeah. relationship with a lot of the senior um, yeah. Yeah. staff members. So some of them more personal. Than I'm not because yeah, she has an off-on thing with with Riker. So what happens yeah. if Riker needs some some therapy? Like that's yeah. is that? That's, I mean, that's when it gets to be sexy therapy. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I think they missed missed a trick for a very comedic moment. Actually, but they should have had. Uh, Troy and Barkley and Troy says because of the very awkward situation where yeah I saw your fantasy and everything I do think it's not appropriate for me to continue with the counselling so we've had to go to the next available counsellor unfortunately we don't, I don't have a full team and then Worf walks in this <laughs> <laughs> is definitely not a fantasy about Worf <laughs> <laughs> or is that program number nine uh, <laughs> Klingon psychology would be with pain sticks really? I guess yeah. lots of pain sticks yeah. it would be like you'd fast for like yes. a month and just be punched in the face every hour until you man up or you'd have warrior. to or you'd have to like, just drink blood wine until your troubles went away to, to, <laughs> yeah. to, 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 I thought um, you said until your troubles went away and your troubles well yeah if it was Klingon Klingons, Klingons, Klingons would probably have to have therapy about troubles because they're an arch enemy of the Klingons aren't they <laughs> So, um, but so was yeah, it with with his with Barclay and Troy? I think I I got the impression that I can see what you mean, but I I think she's probably one of the few people that shows him any sort of tension. And I think if you're a character like Barclay, then you you can sort of get if you're if you're somebody that struggles to yeah. make, to form friendships and relationships, and if you have a friendship with with someone like well not necessarily the opposite sex, but in this case, someone who's attractive. It, it can be, it can become something like that kind. I mean, I, I got the sense that I didn't get the sense that Barclay was kind of attracted to Troy. I, I, I felt like it was she was probably the one person he felt comfortable with, and mm-hmm. and that was the main. And it and it and it seemed I think, more. I think he was attracted. I think that he had several versions of. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I don't think that was the main thing yeah. about it. Perhaps I mean, maybe it's mixed. There was also someone who was she the ship's doctor who then took on some weird like motherly role. Oh yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She oh, that's... The, two, the two female characters in the whole show. Either that was something. That was something like yeah. it's a good point. I, I was something I noticed and thought. That's never addressed again, is it? Like, no, like, no, uh, no, 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 no. Did anyone tell that. her? Or like, <laughs> I don't know. That was. 
that was maybe a bit more acceptable mm. and made a bit more sense psychologically maybe that if you were, you were feeling sort of quite weak and away from home you'd want like a, a pseudo mother figure yeah one good thing I think I was I thought was um, at least with with Barclay they didn't just say go down to Dr Crusher and get your brain zapped so you yeah, yeah. so you're all yeah. better because um, because there is a precedent for that they do they do mind wipe people in Star Trek yeah, a bit a bit too much yeah, um, yeah. so they could have yeah. just gone well let's just send Barkley down to Dr Crusher and reprogram she... <laughs> yeah so get him in line with yeah. the Federation wow <laughs> we've um, we've we've totally shit all over my absolute favourite episode. Of Star Trek. <laughs> yes, <we have>. <laughs> <laughs> Although every time we do a podcast, <clears throat> I think I find myself saying this is my favourite episode. But but what I, I think so the thing I really like about this episode is Barclay himself. I think he's a great mm. character, and I yeah. I think what's I think it's great to see um, a character that like like a majority of Star Trek fans could kind of connect with. I think because he. I th- his his problem feels like it's like it's a social anxiety. Mm. I, I did that to me. That's that's what his this big problem was. He's just really anxious around around people. And there's a great line he has where he says um, says I mean I I am the guy who writes down things to remember to say when there's a party. And then when he finally gets there, he winds up alone in the corner, trying to look comfortable examining a potted plant and then and then Jody says to him oh, you're just shy doesn't sound serious does <clears throat> you can't know yeah. and that, that's a, and he, oh, he delivers that really mm. really nicely and it's like um yeah all these other people are, are kind of high functioning um people who are kind of incredible at their job and I find I Certainly, as as a teenager watching Star Trek, and then even now, I find myself thinking the person I associate with is Barclay. He's the one that I'm that I most like. Mm-hmm. I think about what I'm like on a I had a conference call at work um, the other day, and I get really anxious about conference calls. And I, oh, it's really, I, it was one of those calls where you you can have like a little video of yourself if you want to, but no one does that. And I was, I got flustered because the call in thing didn't work properly, and then. Like I was on the call and then someone someone turned their monitor around to demonstrate something. I was like, what's that? It was my face. My whole face was like full screen on this call. And I was like, oh, shit. And he was like, Will, you, you're not on mute. So I was like, oh, my God. And I was meant to be... Oh, I bet they loved that, though. I mean, I was like, uh... oh, so Ridge Barkley. <laughs> but I was meant to be, like, demoing a, um, a like, a system for, for like, some... some People to test. They're like external. You know, you're not, it wasn't even an internal call. They were people <laughs> outside. Your face. Yeah, <laughs> swearing and sweating. <laughs> that's that's exactly that's exactly what Reg Barclay's like in this episode. That's that's the kind of like that's the kind of nervousness and a kind of fluster that he gets in. But I love I love that he's um, that he's actually really capable and then mm. like at the end he he does that great bit of imaginative thinking that that no one else does he makes like a leap he, he says that like you know what if the what if it's the the connection to all the things going on in the ship is a person mm. instead of a thing and everyone's like what huh? mm. and that is the thing mm. um 
And that's that's great. And it's a great like it's a great ending to the episode. And, yeah. Oh, and I think it's the nature of the TV format, particularly at the time, that we didn't have this continuing story. Mm. Um, that we kind of, in a way, have to wrap this all up within forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice that actually in future episodes we see Reg again, and he's not he's not then you know fine and yeah. yeah he's always nervous. He's always a little bit anxious. Yeah. And we see. You know, he, he, it's an ongoing process for him. That that boost he gets from that, and that confidence he gets is helps, but it's not by it's not the fix. Mm. Yeah, fresh, which is good. And and Barclay shows up again in Voyager, um, and he yeah he's still very much the same character, mm. and he and he he's still suffering with. Um, he sort of re, he sort of relapses a bit and, and he does. gets back yeah, into yeah. the hollow addiction to some extent yeah. later on. And that's that's really interesting, I think. Um, we we should really move on from Holly Pursuit, shouldn't we? Yes. <laughs> but I, I was going to say as a last point, what what do you think? What kind of therapy do you think would be appropriate for Barclay, if if any? Like, does he does he actually have a have a problem? Do you think? I suppose it's tipped into a problem in that yeah, it doesn't seem to be helping him in real life. Like it, it seems to be implying he's getting kind of more anxious in work situations and spending more time in the holodeck. And then that's kind of having the knock-on effect of taking him away from work. Well, as in, I suppose, like a real, like an alcohol addiction or another kind of addiction would be, it would sort of take you away from the real things in life. But I don't know. I think what one of the helpful things that they do is they don't just. I think someone suggests just deleting the program all altogether, like as mm. soon as they find it. I think it was a really helpful thing that they didn't do that because that would be the kind of thing that could just send someone spiralling. You kind of take away their only crutch, their only source of relief, especially when he's that much, that deep into a fantasy. Um, the fact that they kind of let him carry on using it to an extent, but maybe he sort of weans himself off it gradually. I suppose yeah. it'd be like, yeah, I suppose like any kind of anxiety problem, you'd want him to gradually support him to gradually spend less time with unhelpful coping strategies and more time I suppose working on his confidence and, and trying to build up mm. to kind of being more himself at work um, I suppose that the crux it would be was would did at any point it tip into him thinking the holodeck was real and that was kind of that was maybe a real life that he was wanting to spend all his time in that's when it yeah. might tip into an actual delusion and then he might have to think about, I don't know, some more hardcore therapy to <laughs> kind yeah. of sort that out. There must be some planet. In, there must be some planet within the Federation that that might have some therapy techniques that could help him out more than. I mean, maybe yeah, you know, like there must be an alien race that's got some sort of method that might help him out more than more than what we see in the Enterprise D. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. big, it's a big galaxy, isn't it? You know. That's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you know, we, that, again, that would be another, that'd be another episode, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and yeah, because I guess it, 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 in the show they don't, they don't get short. Often characters won't have. Often a character say, "You got, you got five hundred and two days of, of leave, built up." And like, <laughs> yeah, no, I take holidays. <laughs> though, do they? Yeah. I always take holiday. In, in, um, <laughs> in Star Trek Insurrection, Picard says, "Yeah, does he have six months?" It might it's even be more. Ridiculous amount of leave, yeah. So yeah, I mean. And they didn't even get paid. 
So is that why they allow it to build, I guess that's why they allow it to build up, I suppose. My, my work as a policy you can't really carry more than five days over into it. Yeah, yeah, you have to use it. You, if you don't use it, you lose it. They don't even have flexi time on the Enterprise. So, so yeah, no one, God knows what their holiday policy is like. Um, so should we, is everyone up for moving on to um, yes. hero worship? Yes. Uh, which is... This was an episode I, I thought that we should look at. I hadn't actually seen it since... I don't I didn't think I'd seen it since it had first aired. It's not one that I was, A, fond of, or B, ever felt like revisiting. But mm. but watching it again for this podcast, I, I think it's pretty good, actually. I think it... Um, one of your favourite episodes? I, I'd say, I think it might be the best <laughs> episode. <laughs> I liked it. Um... There's at least some some examples of actual uh, like counselling going on mm. in this episode. I think, I guess it is. So, so the, the plot of this episode, anyway, is that they find a boy called Timothy uh, on a, a crippled starship. It's been destroyed. Uh, Timothy, sorry. Somehow. <laughs> I just remember the the comedy show. Sorry. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With um, Ronnie uh, Corbett. Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and. Timothy has lost his parents in the. He's the lone attack. survivor, isn't he? Yeah, and basically this is another episode where they they need a quick solution. Picard wants to know what's happened, and <laughs> Timothy isn't really in a condition to to sort of fully explain it. So, um, and Data happens to rescue him, and Data, as we know, Data has superhuman strength. Uh, occasionally, when the plot says he does, <laughs> um, and so the so Timothy. Um, has a has a bit of a connection with data and and Timothy as a sort of a coping mechanism I guess um kind of kind of thinks he is an android or at least well, he pretends he is he an android. He doesn't think he's an android. He just he latches onto the idea that it would just be better to be an android. Yeah. Yeah, data yeah. reveals that he doesn't feel emotions. Mm, yeah. 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 And that's the and point that he gets quite interested and mm. kind of yeah, yeah, because of everything that's happened, that seems quite, yeah, would be a helpful thing for him to be in. Yeah, yeah. and the, the episode kind of plays out, it's, it's it's kind of a data episode really, isn't it? It's like a fun data episode where Data gets to hang out with a kid for the whole episode yeah. and the kid's being like Data and copying him. And then, yeah, basically by the end of the episode he's sort of got through it and he's, he's not an android anymore. But... Um, yeah, what did Alice? What did you reckon to the, to the, to the sort of approach to the kids' mental health in this episode? I th- I thought Troy did a lot better in this episode actually than in the the Barclay episode. So, because like you were saying, Picard does really put pressure on. We need to like, how are you doing with him? We need to know what happened because I think there's some kind of there is like a mystery of what's actually happened on the ship that they do need to know yeah um but he's just kind of saying i think he's saying i don't remember or he's saying you can't talk about it but he's quite clear that he can't kind of go there and can't talk about it straight away and i think she actually does quite a good job of of kind of allowing him that time to sort of be able to talk about it when he's ready um and just allow him to kind of build that relationship if it is a relationship with data because I don't know how how much you can really build an attachment with a 
and Android as he is. Yeah. Um, but she also doesn't force her own relationship on him, so she's kind of acknowledged that he's not really engaging with her, but he's got this kind of attachment to Data. So she lets that kind of carry on and then just checks in with Data and kind of sees how he's doing, which is actually kind of the approach you'd use... I don't know, in lots of children's services, if there's a child who's been through some kind of trauma and they've got a particular attachment to one person, you try and do the work through that kind of, that care worker or that teacher, um, (coughs) rather than try and build an artificial relationship that they don't kind of feel safe within. Um, So yeah, I thought her approach was actually quite quite helpful in that situation. I suppose it was whether or not an android would be able to fully understand what that kid was going through to, <laughs> that, the, to the point yeah. that he might not kind of make it worse right that's well, that the, was maybe that, the risk <laughs> that was my that was my there's a point where where um well yeah where they were like yeah let's just send this kid off with the emotionless robots <laughs> see how that works out and i was like ah oh, is that is data the best person because he's not very tactful <laughs> Or what if he tried to? What if the kid tried to test his mega strength or his durability and jumped off something and <laughs> killed himself? Yeah, <laughs> oops, yeah. oops. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. There's a point where the kid really, um, like, he's really sleep deprived because um, because androids don't sleep. Well, also, so he doesn't sleep but either. Also, he has nightmares. I think. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone, everyone keeps talking as if he thinks he's an android. He never thinks he's an android. It's easier to. Yeah. It's easier to. I mean, more malleable kind of personality, half, isn't it? Our four-year-old son still is still <coughs> behaving like he's a cat. Yeah, he about, he thinks he's a cat. It's so. been about. I think it's been about two months now. Yeah. And he he do, he doesn't always remember to do this. Sometimes he drops character, <laughs> but a lot of the time he will say, meow, 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 meow. "I said I want toast." <laughs> And so he's like is, a little Daniel Day Lewis. This has been going on since Christmas, and it's February. <laughs> he's really doing it, and even some point, even if he's having a tantrum, he'll be like, nah, "I'm so cross with you. You're stupid. I said you're stupid." So I, and so this episode really rang true for me. <laughs> See a kid being an android. I'm like, yeah, kids do do that. It's completely normal. <laughs> completely normal reaction. Oh, Harvey's not yeah Harvey's not reacting to any kind of trauma he's just she likes cats doesn't he <laughs> Data has a cat yeah yeah that's a good point that's an Harvey to, to therapist Data yeah. <laughs> like, my favourite bit of the whole episode is oh, when yeah, yeah, is when the kids in the kids in class because they oh, send yeah. them into class straight away straight he's away, just lost his parents are like next day get him to school <laughs> They're all singing a song or something, aren't they? And mm. he doesn't want to sing the song. He's just mm. building with the building blocks. And teacher's saying, "What's it? What's he called? Oh, Tim- Timothy. Yeah. Timothy, we're not doing that anymore. We're singing the song. So I, I just want to, I want to keep yeah. doing this." Timothy, we're done with sculpture for now. It's not finished. 
We'll come back to it next period. Why don't you pick up your mythology book and follow along? But it's not finished. Why did they even start building that that building if they wouldn't let him finish? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the standard test. Anyone who wants to keep building it is probably a killer. Yeah. It's like the Maru test. Like, there's no way to win. You can never finish that building. Yeah, you best just go sing the song, otherwise you're through. Yeah. Um, yeah, try... also, sorry. Yeah, you, you go. Yeah, I, I found, I didn't, why on earth they thought getting a traumatised kid to sit in a room and have to sing a song was a good idea I mean I felt really sorry for that kid in that scene I thought yeah. this is the last thing he wants to do even if his parents weren't dead <laughs> he probably wished that he was to have to sing that song yeah um, to try try as a line um, where she says she thinks what he's what he's suffering from is oh, I can't read my own writing now it's like in in anthropomeria <laughs> Technically, it's called enantiodromia, conversion into the opposite. Timothy went from human to machine, from being emotional to being emotionless. And I was going to ask you if that's a real thing, but as I can't read my writing, I can't say what the word is. No, I do remember saying that bit. To my in knowledge... Enantiodromica, or something yeah, like that. That's what in, it looks in my like knowledge, that's not a real thing, unless right. it's a real thing outside of psychology, that they've just found a big word and decided to kind of no. steal it I mean like in slightly simpler terms like what he's suffering with is PTSD like sort yeah. of post-traumatic stress disorder and like part of that is dissociation which is kind of feeling distant from yourself and people talk about almost feeling in flashbacks feeling like they're outside their own body looking at what happened and I yeah. think that that probably translates quite I don't know, in a way that makes more sense to wanting to be like an android because he's he's feeling so much not like himself anymore. He's kind of taken on a new identity that fits more with the kind of cut-offness of how he's feeling. Yeah. So I feel like just calling it PTSD would have made more sense, but I think that was an attempt for them to make it sound a bit more, I don't know, futuristic and mm. fancy than it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. Um there's a really nice line from Data in this episode where he says, uh, But I cannot take pride in my abilities. I cannot take pleasure in my accomplishments. But we never have to feel bad either. I would gladly risk feeling bad at times if it also meant that I could taste my dessert. And that, that feels like that's a really nice sort of metaphor for, like, the, having to deal with emotions. You know, mm -hmm. like it's it's worth it's worth suffering 
through through the tough times because without that you you, you don't know, get you to a trifle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and isn't that the point where the kid decides that he does want to like be human again as well? It's yeah. at that point when he's staring at that dessert and like desperately, <laughs> desperately wanting <laughs> that's to what, eat it. That's how we need to <laughs> fix Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. Cat problem. Just find something a cat yeah. can't physically do. Yeah, and cats can't eat this dessert. Can't, cats can't eat profiteroles. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I think you find that bloody good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, I think that's. I, it's also interesting that episode that Picard is willing to say, yeah, okay. Um, data, data hasn't really got any important duties. I mean, he's <laughs> he's command staff. He's you know head of science, whatever. It's fine. Well, yeah, he can. Officer. Yeah, he can spend all of his time with a kid for the next few days. But but kind of joking aside, actually. I, that's that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That, well, that's because that, Picard would want to help. Imagine Geordie approached that problem. I don't understand this kid. On ship and then screw this problem. Yeah. And Riker would just be stumbling around. There's someone on the ship that wasn't here yesterday. <laughs> Get rid of them! I hate all outsiders. Riker would be like, he was late to class. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't Lucky sing. He didn't sing. Uh, okay. Um, should we move on to the the third and final episode that, that we were going to look yes. at, which is uh, DS9's After Image? I'm going to jump in. This is one of my all-time favourite episodes. Uh, I fucking love After Image. This episode is so. awful. <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> See how Rick Everson likes. <laughs> no, I I also I really like After Image as well. Actually, I think you're right. Um, and I, I I thought we should look at a DS9 as well, so that we're not just it's not just a podcast where we're ripping into Troy's yeah, terrible it, captain. It, 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 it would be easy to go that direction. Yeah, let's take a shot at what we're looking yeah, at. Let's take a shot at Esri yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit she comes out with in this episode. Um, but in, in brief, the plot of this episode is that oh, it's, there is no brief way to talk about it. It's a complex setup, isn't it? Because yeah. Esri is a, uh, is a new Dax, basically. Yes. Jadzia is recently dead and Esri is a uh, is a, tra- a trainee counsellor yeah. and an unwilling host she hadn't expected yeah. to suddenly be joined so she's having to cope with seven other lifetimes of memories and personalities barraging her her mind um, yeah, that, that, that's the Woody Allen film <laughs> yeah. uh, so suddenly she's on the station that she remembers being on for six years she remembers friendships but also none of them were hers and they're saying, okay, go go do a full on counselling job with this guy who's yeah. having a severe problem. And an alien you're as not well. Even a fully well, qualified yeah. counsellor at this point. Well, not an alien, but another a member of another well, species. Yeah. A member of an ever race they're at war with. And it's a it's a high pressured situation because mm. Garak, um, they need Garak basically. He he can decode um, <coughs> transmissions from from. Dominion. What is it? He uh, is. Uh, what? Why is it that he can decode it? Is it because of his Obsidian Order connection? Yeah. 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 He's familiar with the whole code practice of Cardassia yeah. anyway. I think, isn't he? Yeah. He's also just quite handy with that sort of thing. And he's the only one that can do it. But he is. His claustrophobia has flared up, and that that is his claustrophobia is something that's come up for that character in the past. It's yeah. Not... Series five, they established his claustrophobia when yeah. they, he was having to. Reprogram computer circuitry in the in the wall of the of a prison camp, yeah. and so because claustrophobic, and he has to climb into the wall every day and do all the circuitry, it was a bit of an issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably like the worst thing 
you would have to do if you're claustrophobic, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so also it, dealing with the death of his father, who would never acknowledged him. Yes. Yeah. Complex character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, this isn't kind of an uh, this isn't a manufactured condition just for for this one episode. It is yeah, mm. uh, and that that's something I like about the episode as well. They use something that that they know. Yeah. Does affect Garrick. And so yeah, basically Esri has to deal with being a new person effectively and also deal with tr- try and solve Garrick's problem as well and it's mm. the whole episode sort of about her. Um and at this point Esri's I think she's sort of planning to she's not planning to stay on Deep Space Nine no. is she? So but Cisco wants her and she I think she there's a scene early on where she talks with Cisco about this and she recommends She's not sure she's able to do the. She's up to the task, really. Yeah, yeah. There's a pretty early on there's a discussion with him, and he just kind of. I'm not. He just says, "Well." He kind of. He sort of bullies her into. He kind of like. <coughs> he's pretty tough on her. He just wants but, his friend Dax back, yeah. I think, and he doesn't yeah. really care doesn't like if she's in a new body or having got the struggles. He's just like, like Dax, there are several discussions where she goes to him saying like, "I really want to leave. I really mm. not sure if I can do this." And yeah. It always just keeps to coming back to, "Oh no, you'll be fine. Just." Just uh, going to give it a go, and also a bit more aggressive than that. Uh, yeah, like, you should quite, be able to. It's quite brutal. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like um, you know, Dax had seven great lifetimes. So what if this like, this current one is a waste? It's like, dude. Yeah. This, 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 essentially, this is a, actually a young girl who's struggling with all this flipping stuff, and yeah. you're being. I mean, you, but he's never been free. He yeah. doesn't understand. Yeah, and he's a physically intimidating man for him to be bearing down on you. Like, ah, you're wasting this lifetime. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and as for Dax, that symbiote had eight amazing lives. So what if the ninth was a waste? Stop it, Benjamin. I thought you of all people would understand. I do understand. And you were right. You don't deserve the Dax symbiont. Quite frankly, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. That's a tough episode for Esri. It, it is. Um, but I, um, yeah. Uh, what What did you think? Uh, in a way, this one's a hard episode to call on um, Esri's sort of te- attitude to, to therapy and counselling because she's a trainee, effectively. So, you, mm. so she always has a get out of jail free card in terms of like how shoddy her counselling is but also she's kind of coping with with a lot and this and, and this um this task that she has is used to help her kind of feel more capable and settled on the station and yeah it's it's, it's, it's part of her character development isn't it whereas i guess with the other episodes we discussed they weren't really episodes that were there to kind of develop a character as much I mean maybe they developed yeah. data a bit and yeah, we got that's, to that's true the other episodes weren't about Troy really at all were mm. they whereas whereas this one is about the character yeah this is more her story than Garrick's but it's a good I mean it's a good uh, Esri and Garrick are a good they're two good characters to to kind of bounce off each other because mm. they're very different and yeah. one's very experienced and, and Garrick, Garrick calls Esri on her ability pretty early on yeah. straight away in fact yeah. i would say in, in a great scene in a great scene yeah. where he yeah. where esri thinks she's making progress and he just and just lays into her after it's great it's a single it's swim true. moment for nikki Deboer as well because you stick her in that scene with with the guy playing garrick and she's either going to make that scene work or she's probably going to get fired afterwards <laughs> and they'll write yeah. back out for the rest of the series i don't know but. i knew chad 
She was vital, alive. She owned herself and you. You don't even know who you are. How dare you presume to help me? You can't even help yourself. Now get out of here before I say something unkind. And it does it does play out something that I suppose comes up in when you're thinking about therapy quite a lot of like how much do you how much do you self-disclose like if you notice similarities between like what you're going through and what the client's going through is it helpful to kind of say to kind of hint at that or kind of say oh I went through something similar and this is how it helped me I was going to ask you about that because this is something I was thinking and my I, I've never been sure in this episode whether the way that she almost babbles about her own thing this year is that because she's being overwhelmed or is that almost like a technique is she trying to put him at ease in some bizarre way that oh yeah we've all got problems I, I don't know and I've never really got whether that's intentional or not in that scene so. I feel like it it kind of could be mm. at certain points and I think different kind of different people from different sort of models of therapy would have differing thoughts as people sort of psychoanalysts would say you give absolutely nothing of yourself away and you mm. just barely even smile in which case people kind of experience that as quite cold and I think in more sort of modern therapies it's acceptable to kind of tell a well-chosen story about something that you overcame or you know when I'm doing stress when I'm feeling stressed this is something that helps but I suppose it's the fact she goes straight into her mm. stuff mm. and actually what it does is it blocks her from really listening to what he's saying because he's almost still explaining sort of mentioning his claustrophobia and that he just really wants to get back to work and she's off thinking about oh that's just like me with this and oh I've solved it it must be about your dad <laughs> and he's a bit like yeah. oh so it'll just go away then she's like well no not straight away but I'm sure it'll be fine and then he's clearly left like like not really feeling like she's sort of listened and then clearly is thinking about that and then the next time she sees him he kind of erupts and I think he holds it together quite well the first time he sees her he kind of I think he's a bit curious about yeah. where she's going with it, but then it gets to the point where it gets worse, and then he just loses trust that she's really somebody that can help him. And I think that was a bad move for her in that situation to self-disclose that much, because she's kind of... I think she's showing her vulnerability a bit too much with someone who's clearly kind of quite powerful and mm. quite closed off with their emotions. I think what he needed to see in that situation was her competence and her mm. ability to kind of be able to contain whatever he was going to tell her mm. um, but it's an interesting like mix though because she's also talking about past lives and how old she is but then at the same time she's also quite young and inexperienced yeah. and it's kind of like going between those two positions so she so Garrick would have been better off with Worf counselling <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're saying <laughs> well I mean, that's the thing isn't it the irony is that Garrick's quite a when he wants to be, he's quite a garrulous character. Mm. He's very talkative, but mm. he's also but, hugely deceptive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, he gives away a lot of himself, but he none, none of it is true. Because I, I imagine, I imagine with with therapy, um, what you have to kind of try and do is allow the person to talk about things, and then through talking, they they maybe come to some they feel more comfortable realising something about them. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that maybe they, they, they'll they often know what's bothering them, but they won't want to talk about it. And oh, and you give them, a, and you give them a, a platform for them to just talk. Because most people will have, 
they'll say, well, like we were talking about in the in the TNG episodes, like, well, it, and Barkley, like, it's, it's difficult for him to talk to people about the way he feels because, because you know, you don't want to, sometimes even though you've got friends, you don't want to tell them very personal things. And, mm-hmm. and if you have a counsellor, um, you're able to just talk and, and by talking you can kind of admit maybe sometimes things that are bothering you and it's it's, it's ironic that with with Garrick who's who, like I was saying is very very talkative when he wants to be it's, it's hard for him to to do that and, and then in this episode I think it he does finally come to that realization yeah. doesn't he? he 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 gets some kind of he admits himself why he's what's bothering him and yeah. I always I always wondered when he drops that bit about his father used to lock him in the cupboard I kind of think is he just throwing that out to toy with her does he know full well <coughs> where his claustrophobia comes from either it's that or right. that's a lie and it comes from somewhere else like the Joker oh. does in um, The Dark Knight where he talks about his scars mm. how he yeah. got his scars yeah, yeah. like a different yeah. story every time yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I kind of think he's throwing that out just to sort of mess with her almost it's like well here's your solution how are you, how are you going to run with this because it's not it's not where the claustrophobia has come from it's what's making it happen now yeah. is ultimately the, the thrust of his problem isn't it and, and she of... and she does ask like she just goes straight in with oh were you ever trapped in a <laughs> did you ever have a traumatic experience when you were trapped in a small space and it's almost like and his answer to that is kind of so perfect it almost mm. seems a bit contrived yeah. like it's yeah. like oh here we go here's your textbook <coughs> and then she gets super excited about it it's like oh that's what it is like, yeah. i got that question right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think yeah he's he's kind of messing with her at that point maybe yeah he's giving her the answer that that he thinks she's waiting to hear to so that he can prove that she doesn't know what she's talking about but then he yeah, he 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 sort of solves his own problem really in in the end. I mean, I guess he, I, I don't know, do, does Esri really really help? Um, do you think? Could could he have could he have talked to to anybody and sort of come to that? I think is it yeah. is it Esri's persistence or as mm. the fact she keeps going back and trying again and eventually, I. I I have no training or knowledge on the subject, but I always interpreted that eventually she did. She just tried and tried until eventually she got Grand. to the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think if Xiao was still alive, she would have been able to help him. True. Yes. Yeah. But I suppose there is something there as well about ruptures in therapy, and that they kind of he had that massive go at her and she left, but she still went back, and there's mm. something about. There's something in that that kind of models when that happens and that all comes out that she could still come back and mm. kind of and still face him again. And then she, I think she delivers the news about they did manage to get the the codes to the right place or something, which I think yeah. she thought he was going to be happy to hear. But then mm. that was the point when yeah. kind of it came yeah, out that that was what right. he was feeling. Really and she <coughs> she seems to pick up on that. She thinks he's going to be happy to hear it. But she can tell that he isn't, and then, mm. then, then she sort of presses on that, and that—that's the point where she sort of like she almost kind of just breaks him, doesn't she? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then he sort of has a has a has a kind of fit basically, and ends up in sick bay, which is probably not like a great <laughs> outcome <laughs> for, for therapy. I think that's the second time he's ended up in sick bay after she's gone to see him. It must be quite embarrassing yeah. for her to keep having to be like, oh yeah, <laughs> just yeah. mess someone up again. She gives yeah. them some 
space age beta blockers. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing as well. I think a lot of the time, someone will probably be could be in therapy for quite a long time because they Mm. they'll just have want someone to talk to. If there's nothing overly specific, um, then the therapy that they might want is just a regular meeting where they can talk about their 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 week or their how they've been feeling so I mean with Garrick I guess it's more specific isn't it it's more time sensitive so I think in all of these episodes I guess it is and I think that's that feels like that's a bit of a TV trap isn't it it's like storytelling isn't it yeah yeah so we need a resolution and there's not a satisfying resolution to say well that person had ongoing therapy and gradually they made progress (laughs) three years later yeah yeah three years later the war has been lost and yeah I know know shows like to lay threads that play out every time now Still, I don't think we're at the point where we're going to go for that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could have just said, go down to Dr. Bashir and get Garrick's brain zapped <laughs> and get him back <laughs> <Yeah>. on it. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not with Dr. Bashir. Crikey. I had a question about Dr. Bashir because um, Dr. Bashir is a pretty competent doctor, but he doesn't really, in this episode, he doesn't really seem to have. Uh, would he have some, some basic um, sort of mental health training? do you think because he isn't really able to help he has a really unhelpful line where he just goes Garrick needs his head examined <laughs> and then they all look at Ezra and it's like oh that's the setup for the episode a bit blunt our friend Garrick needs his head examined so hang on a minute Bish. isn't he nominated yeah, isn't he, he get nominated for like the Ron doesn't he get nominated for like the, the Ron Zebulon medical prize in one episode but it's like a super it's like a super medical prize it's like a space it's like a space, yeah, space Nobel space, prize space, for space medicine prize. Yeah. you're the and best space doctor going and he's genetically yeah he's so the he's youngest ever nominee for the well. Ron Zebulon award and so it's not Garrett, it's not called the Ron character. Zebulon award, character. Character <laughs> award. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah and he just goes quite a large part of <laughs> even medical doctors sort of practice especially GPs as well is mental health related well, in, yeah. in the original series they, they reference McCoy having psychology degrees oh. and he, they call upon him to um, declare someone unfit for duty I think in uh, one episode when, a, when a, uh, a guy's clearly suffering from some severe PTSD he's got commandeers a, the Enterprise and tries to take on an uncurable <laughs> doomsday machine he's got loads of That's skulls in his he's got loads of <laughs> skulls in his office as well so he, he knows what a head is yeah but the problem with McCoy is he's always, inject, always injecting himself with crazy juice and then going going nuts himself. He's like the least sane member of the crew in most episodes. In fact, I think he only does that all one time. Uh, in my mind, it's every episode, Rick. It's so memorable. Yeah. But then, yeah, we sort of, they do seem to have taken a deliberate division in by next-gen times and onwards that, met, you know... Mm. Medical doctor is pretty much below the brain area and above. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And not the barber for the very top. <laughs> um, another question I had about this episode is why doesn't Worf get any sort of grief counselling? Worf's obviously yeah. suffering in this episode. They address Worf and Klingon grief in the previous two parts, though, uh, okay. when Dr. Bashir. Noted psychologist, as we just covered, um, <laughs> observes that Klingon grief periods are normally extremely short because of the Klingon warlike tendency and their glorifying of death in battle. Um, so the fact that Worf was still upset by that point about Jatsi is kind of unusual. Um, so, because they don't have a good counsel, they just send O'Brien to go to Worf's 
quarters and get pissed with him. And yeah, then they, they, they have that with like um, a bottle of. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they they have that episode where they they go on a mission for yeah. So for then they take a mission to take down a Dominion shipyard in Jadzia's name, and everything's okie dokie fine. And but then Morph's upset because someone else comes along being Dax. Mm. So that's like a, that's like a cathartic therapy, I suppose. Okay, yeah. Okay. Done. But then the issue is that presumably then if Ezra is the only counsellor on board, you can't yeah. really have counselling from the person who's like ha oh, grief counselling from mm. the person who's like <laughs> one eighth the person that he just lost. Yeah. Like that would be. I mean, that there's boundary be... crossings in other uh, in, yeah. with Troy, but I think that's probably the biggest yeah. <laughs> boundary be crossing yeah. and confusing yeah. thing yeah. for. And, but the, 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 they, they, they have that moment when. Um, Ezra mentions the whole thing about Wolf and Cisco's like. Perhaps I should have a talk with him. Absolutely not. You intimidate him. Me? Don't tell him I told you. <laughs> I intimidate Worf, huh? <laughs> you like that, don't you? He looks so pleased with himself. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you it's like, okay, as, 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 as for mental health things, I rather I prefer Picard as Captain <laughs> Cisco. Yeah. Cisco gets in your face and shouts at you that you're wasting a lifetime, and then takes <laughs> glee in the fact that he intimidates other crew members. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wolf is running around physically threatening the lives of anyone. <laughs> yeah, he roughs up Bashir, doesn't he? I forgot that. And nobody, nobody does anything. They're about like that, that crazy yeah. Klingon. <laughs> the things he does. <clears throat> it's like uh, it's workplace harassment. I mean, and it's, it is an assault technically. So uh, it's fine. Let's not worry about it. Bashir had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he did look at Ezra inappropriately. Yeah, he, yeah, you right. all know he did. Um. So, yeah. Do you, uh, it feels like we should round things up mm. there. But does that, does anyone have any more um, points they'd like to make about um, mental health in Star Trek? I think no. No, I think I think there's probably given the what we've seen and the episodes that we've reviewed it seems like they they at least acknowledge it and they try to include it in some storylines and like we were saying the the ability to talk about these things is is limited but with what they were able to do i think they yeah they at least tried to address it and maybe not completely successfully but it but at least there are storylines in star trek that do have these kind of storylines i suppose yeah, yeah, they, they 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 make an effort, I think, and they they do try to take it seriously. I think I think some episodes are more successful than others. I think of the three, it felt to me like the the hero epi- uh, hero worship episode was the the most. That felt like the most sort of kind of mm. useful uh, mm. examination of of mental health, or the most sort of realistic. Um, whereas Hollow Pursuits is, is kind of more about the, the character of, of Barclay. Mm. It's maybe played other. for laughs a bit too much in places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's a bit I'd, I'd forgotten to talk about where where they go on the holodeck and they and they they see Troy as the um, uh, as the goddess of empathy. And Riker has a bit of a creepy line where he's like, I can't remember what he says, but it's something like, oh, I think 
just to explore this program a little bit more. Yeah. Like, she's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, right, he, he repeats he repeats Troy's previous line back to her, doesn't yeah. he? Oh, she said about it. the. She'd seen him in his kind of popular yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, yeah, the two of them just find amusement in each other's discomfort. I think, <laughs> don't they? So yeah. They're yeah. a fairly dysfunctional couple. Yeah. I was yeah. actually together at that. They point. weren't, but it was it was the ongoing. Uh, it was a very on-off relate. It was mostly mm. off until mostly. the movies where they where they finally are on. on. Mm. Yeah. Hadn't they Touché. been previously on? Yes. yes. Yeah. They were. Because yeah. she calls him Im, Imzadi. Yeah. I don't. That means like special guy. Yeah. <laughs> In Beta Z. Sexy friend. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we should we should probably round it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Alice. Big yes, thanks so to much. Alice. Thank you. Yeah. That's okay. Thanks for having me. On no first problem. First Star Trek <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it could be it could be the first of many. It might not. <laughs> How much more Star Trek I'm willing to watch? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If Discovery exactly. tackles some mental health, it'd be great to discuss that. Yeah. Well, I have a question for Alice. Alice, as a as a psychologist, do you have like a phrenology bust? Because on TV, like a psychologist will always have a phrenology bust on their bookcase. Because um, even though phrenology, I'm I think has been discredited. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems to be like a thing that they'll go for in TV series where they go, this person's this person's a head doctor, so let's put one of these in the book in the yeah. background because I was because it's shorthand to tell them to the the audience what they do. Oh, I don't, but I kind of want I want one. Ah. I do, I do like the idea of having something that kind of makes me look intelligent. Cool. Like on my desk. Or kind of, yeah. yeah. You could like relabel it. it with like less serious labels around all the head. Like, you know, <laughs> like crazy thoughts. <laughs> mucky ideas. <laughs> stuff like just that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a porn in the <laughs> What I do have that someone got me as a leaving present once is some um, post-it notes called Freudian slips. Ooh. Which have kind of Freud jokes about oh. sort of you said one thing. No, what? You meant to say one thing and you said your mother kind of like lines yeah. like that which I do enjoy very much that sounds cool. awesome that Freud that's the last Freud cool well um, thank you very much for, for listening everyone and, um, and thank you very much to Alice for joining us for this episode and we will be back in the future with another podcast so um, yeah thank you very much Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Do you realise how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal individual level, my Twitter is at Wilturland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep.
Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio. Uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us, we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcasts through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or we're on various third-party apps. And if you could leave us a review on any of those, that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative. Thanks again for listening. And please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Back Crew. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. Timothy, we're done with sculpture for now. It's not finished. We'll come back to it next period. Why don't you pick up your mythology book and follow along? But it's not finished.